21st century. Then I want to talk about the six particular abilities that matter most and how smart individuals and smart organizations are putting them into practice. And I want to get into this by confessing. I want to tell you about the biggest mistake I ever made, and that's going to launch us into this conversation. The biggest mistake I ever made occurred about 20 years ago when in a moment of youthful indiscretion, I went to law school. <laughs> now, I did not do especially well in law school, to put it mildly, to put it mildly. I, in fact, graduated in the part of my law school class that made the top 90% possible. Um, <laughs> Now, if I can digress here for a moment, it turned out that happily enough for me that law school, more than anything else I've done in my life, dramatically, profoundly, I would argue permanently, permanently increased my earning power. Because in law school, I met my wife. Otherwise, it was a total, <laughs> total loss. Total loss. I didn't enjoy it. I graduated massively in debt. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't do well. I never practiced law a day in my life. If I could press the rewind button and live that part of my life over again, I would in a second. Which, of course, raises a question, which I'm going to toss over to you, which is this. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Anybody have an answer? Society? Close? Parents. Exactly. It turns out that this horrific decision, like so many negative things in life, is actually my parents' fault. <laughs> but let me explain what I mean by that. When I was a kid, and I grew up in the Midwest, Columbus, Ohio, grew up in the early 1970s, middle-class family, middle of America. When I was a kid, parents like mine dished out the same basic plate of advice to their children. Many of you probably were on the receiving end of this advice. Some of you might have been on the dispensing end of this advice. And the advice went like this, get good grades, Go to college, pursue a profession that would give you some amount of economic security and maybe a smidgen of prestige. So what did that mean in practice? That meant that if you were, as I was, as my wife was, reasonably good at subjects like English and history, go to law school. Let's say you're better at math and science. What do you do? Go to medical school or get an engineering degree. And even in that economy, okay, which is the early 1970s, okay, before globalization, before the internet, even in that very buoyant economy, if blood grossed you out, your verbal skills were a little shaky, you could still go and get a job as an accountant. <laughs> but if you think about, let's think about those professions for a moment. One accountant just walked out of the room. Well, if you think about those, if you think about those professions for a moment, Okay, think about those professions, accountants and lawyers and engineers, but more important than that, think about the abilities. This is the key here, the abilities at the heart of those professions. Those were the abilities that mattered most. Those were the abilities that got you ahead in your career. Those were the abilities that organizations were demanding. Those were the abilities that in some sense even fueled the entire macro economy. Well, my argument is that those abilities still matter, but they matter less. Those engineer abilities, those lawyer abilities, those accountant abilities, they still matter, but they matter less. And a different set of abilities matters more. And there's a way that I've chosen to explain this. Now, I'm a writer, and one of the ways that people like to torture writers, and there are many, is to tell them that a picture is worth a thousand words. But good writers, and I would argue good business people, know that while a picture is worth a thousand words, sometimes a metaphor a metaphor is worth a thousand pictures. A picture may be worth a thousand words, but a metaphor is often worth a thousand pictures. And I think that there is a metaphor that explains what's going on in the economy, in careers, in business today. And the metaphor is this. 
This is a brain, a human brain, a model of a human brain. Same size and weight of a brain, see, it sort of fits right here. <laughs> now, tempted as I am to give you a little mini lecture on neuroanatomy, I'll resist, and instead point you to probably the main, most distinguishing topographical feature of this brain, of your brain, of my brain, of everybody's brain. Running down the center of this brain, you see right here, is a Mason-Dixon line, cleaving this brain into two equal halves, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. Now, many of you have probably heard about left brain this and right brain that over the years, and a lot of what you've heard is garbage. This is one of those ideas where the popularization of the idea has galloped far ahead of the science behind it. But in the last five years especially, the science has caught up, and we know, thanks to functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRIs, brain scans, we know an enormous amount about how our brains are organized. We're barely beginning to understand our brains, they're so complex, but we do have a sense at a very broad level of how our brains are organized. And there is, it turns out, this very elegant, very efficient division of labor in our brains. Our brains have different departments that carry out different functions. The left hemisphere deals with tasks that are logical linear, sequential, analytical. Okay, make sense? This side of the brain, the right hemisphere of the brain, not better, not worse, just a different department. It deals with tasks that are more artistic, more empathic, more about synthesis rather than analysis, more about the big picture, more about context rather than text. There you have it. 50 years of neuroscience in 60 seconds. <laughs> now, here's where the metaphor comes in. It used to be that these abilities mattered most. The logical, linear, sequential, analytical, SAT, spreadsheet, zero in on the right answer abilities. These were the ones, metaphorically, that used to matter the most. And today, and I want to underscore this right now, today these abilities are still absolutely 100% necessary. Okay, let me say that again. Absolutely 100% necessary. But, 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 no longer sufficient. And these abilities, okay, and these, these abilities, abilities characteristic of the right hemisphere of the brain, artistry, empathy, inventiveness, big picture thinking, these abilities are now the first among equals. These abilities are the ones that matter most. That's the punchline. Now, you offer up this argument and you often get a bipolar response. Okay? On one pole are artists and designers who think this is all pretty cool and nifty. They think it makes perfect intuitive sense. Okay? On the other pole, you have engineers or accountants or worse, lawyers, who think that this is, and this is not the exact language they use, a bunch of hooey. Okay? What's really important to understand here is that what I'm saying here, this tilt from the left brain thinking to right brain thinking, is not some kind of fantasy, is not some kind of yearning. It's not some kind of wish. Wouldn't it be lovely if we had an economy built less on these cold, hard, analytic abilities and more on artistry and empathy and we could all link arms and frolic through the daisies? No, 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 no. The truth of the matter is that I am myself a very, very left brain guy. I'm very analytical. I'm very numerate. I'm the most sequential person you've ever met in your life. I cannot multitask to save my life. In my hierarchy of loves, I've got my wife and our three children, number one, and number two in my hierarchy of loves are charts and graphs. <laughs> I love charts and graphs. If I want to explain something to someone, I'm going to draw your chart. Okay? But over the last couple of years, I have taken a very hard, very analytical, very left-brain look at the evidence, at the facts, at the data, 
crunched the numbers, looked hard at what's really going on in organizations, in individual careers, and in the macro economy, brought to bear the fiercest kind of analytic reasoning that I could muster, enlisted other analytic minds on the task to really look hard and crunch the numbers and look at the evidence and, and take apart the data. And after doing that, I don't even think it's close that the scales are tilting and that people like me have a lot of catching up to do. But I want to make this argument for you over the next few minutes because I think it gives you the context of what your, how your career is progressing, how your organization is moving. So I'm going to make an argument here in public, despite my law school performance, okay? It's a cause and effect, linear argument. The effect is that the scales are tilting, making the left brain abilities necessary no longer sufficient, the right brain abilities the first among equals, and the causes are threefold. They are. Abundance, Asia, and automation. Abundance, you're laughing at this. It took me four months to get them all to start with A, okay? <laughs> abundance, Asia, automation. <laughs> Let's start with abundance. Now, what I'm going to say here is somewhat politically incorrect, but I will say it anyway. The United States of America is doing very, very well. Very well. Deep into the middle class, this country has a standard of living that is breathtaking by historic standards and international standards. Now, we have a problem in this country with poverty. We've got 12% of our country living in poverty. We've got 10% worried they're going to fall through the trap door into poverty. That's a moral disgrace on its own terms. But it's a double disgrace, a triple disgrace, a quadruple disgrace when you look at how well off the rest of the country is. If you look at the data, this country is doing spectacularly well. Let me give you a few examples. Let's take automobiles, okay? My grandparents, when they were my age, an automobile was essentially a rich person's toy, a luxury item. You know how many automobiles there are today? A lot, right. A lot. Here, let's do an audience poll.